Father, we just thank you. Once again, this morning, we just come to your throne room of grace. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness. Father, Lord, even as we listen to your word day and night, oh Lord, continue to deliver us. Father, in your, in your, Father, in your love and in your kindness and in your mercy, Father, you have given us this time. And I pray, Lord, that all of us will begin to search our hearts, that we will not take these days and the things that you're speaking to our hearts lightly, O Lord. Father, awaken us, O Lord, if you are asleep in our spirits. Awaken us. Fan us back to flames, we pray. And Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that our hearts will be on fire for you, that we will deal with sin in our hearts, that we will truly be delivered, O Lord Jesus. Grant us grace to that, and we pray. Father, even as we now meditate upon your words, speak to our hearts. Once again this morning, surrender ourselves to you, O Lord Jesus. Speak, speak, O Lord, take all my frailties, O Lord. And Lord, forgive me of any sin that I may have done, even in my thoughts, Lord. Forgive us, cleanse us from our minds, O Lord Jesus. And in our minds, O Lord, and and cleanse us and make us vessels through which your anointing would flow continuously. And I pray, Father, even as we meditate upon your word, that you bless the speaking and the hearing of this word. Father, let every thought of man fall to the ground. But let everything which is from your throne, which is under the authority of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, let it find place in your hearts of your people. To that end, I pray that you would bless the hearing and anoint the hearing and the speaking of this Word. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning, just look first at uh, Genesis, uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 onwards. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. The reason why I want to look at this verse was um, when Joseph was being sold, you had the Midianites, the Ishmaelites, and the Israelites. The very interesting word when Pastor was talking about that, I just remembered this, this verse from Jeremiah, which says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, not let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I will punish all who are circumcised with the uncircumcised. Egypt, Judah, Eden, the people of Ammon, Moab, and all those who are in the farthest corners who dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. Egypt, Judah, Edom. It's interesting, right? Judah and Edom are put side by side. Just note that for today. Egypt, Judah, Edom. In verse 26 of Jeremiah chapter 9, the people of Amnon, they're all the same. Because they might be physically uncircumcised and the children of Israel or the house of Israel is uncircumcised in their heart. Judah and Edom together is what uh, this verse says. Another verse which I wanted us to look at this morning is uh, before we go into the meat of today's word. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. But the cowardly or the fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars. Abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars. Cowardly and all liars. Fearful and all liars. Shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, this morning... 
let's look at some very interesting things from the Bible which possibly might scare us, but it's good to always judge our hearts. First, let's turn to Matthew chapter 24 and let's read from verses 4 to 14. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, ethnic groups against ethnic groups, in other words, ethnos, that's a word, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Yeah, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Nations being all ethnic groups. Okay, so even in in our country, being one India, we have one nation, but different ethnic groups. Even in Andhra and Telangana, among the Gults, I mean Telugus, we have different ethnic groups. Okay, so so that's something which is very um, interesting observation. Anyway, anyway, let's read from verse ten, and then many will be offended will betray one another, when many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Uh, another translation will use, many will be, will turn away from their faith. Why will they turn away from their faith? Because they are offended. Okay. Notice that point. Many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Verse 13 and 12 and 12 to 14 last finally. And because lawlessness or iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Kind of a chronology of events that Jesus is mentioning over here, but we are not going to say anything. I mean, we'll just read it and we'll just enumerate what all the um, things that Jesus has mentioned. Identifying the, the, the parameters, if you will, of the last days. First is there will be many false Christs who deceive. That means there will be deceptions of all, all kinds and a lot of false anointing. That's the first thing. Christ means anointing, right? And because there's, they call themselves Christ and they, they believe that they're speaking the anointed word, uh, they also claim, you know, that they are the servants of God, but they are not. Second, there will be famines and pestilences and clash between different ethnic groups. And then he says, these are just the birth pangs. These are the beginning of sorrows or the beginning of birth pangs. And that means the intensity of these two things will keep on increasing, is the point. And then he says, you will be persecuted and hated. Why? Christians will be blamed, possibly, for all the things that are happening around the earth. You are to be blamed. Like like Ahab says, right, to Elijah. You are the troubler of Israel. Even uh, that king says, Elisha, where is the troubler of Israel? No, they won't. He would not he is uh, leaning on the arm of unbelief and he says a man of faith and the man of the spirit is the cause of the trouble and that's exactly going to be the hallmark of the last days. The people who are 
who are humble and walking with the Lord, who have the authority of God over their lives, who are walking in obedience, walking in repentance, walking in humility, walking in love, will be the hated people. And they will be um, said, you are the cause for all the trouble. They will be accused of being the cause for all the trouble. Fifth, it says, fifth parameter says, because of persecution and hatred against the Christians, there will be many who will be offended. Okay, they will, they will no longer, they said, what is this being a Christian? I thought it will be a very simple life and uh, easy life. What will happen? They will be offended. Now, you have to be very careful because nobody is exempt from this because even John the Baptist, he got offended because he couldn't handle persecution. And persecution is a kind of a test, meaning persecution could be of many kinds. I mean, it's not not necessarily physical persecution. It could be different kinds of persecution where you are you are just looked down upon, or you, the people call you all kinds of names. They they abuse you, or they uh, talk things sarcastically with you. All those things are there. Okay, they will be offended. And because they will be offended, they, they, they never, I never thought that Christianity was such a, uh, such an easy, I mean, such a difficult path. I never thought, I didn't expect this to happen. No, when you, when you come to the, the ministry or anything in the Christian world, in, this, in, in a Christian's life, you have to expect the worst. Okay? Be prepared for the worst. You count the cost. That's what it means. Count the cost. They said, Jesus, they called him what? Beelzebub. If they called you the master Beelzebub, now they will have to call you worse. Okay, that's always the argument from the lesser to the greater. Okay, it's an forcery logic. Okay, so they, if they have called him that, and he they called the sinless one that, you definitely have some element of leaven inside of you, right? What will they call you? So don't be offended. That's one thing we should we should keep our hearts from offense. Don't be offended with correction. Don't be offended when people say things to you. See, when you are right and you're walking in the right path, some people might say, you are this, you'll get offended. And you get offended with God and say, Lord, why did you defend me? Oh boy, you need to really really be careful. And you say, Lord, I don't want to walk with you. What is this? I've been, I've been walking with you. I've been living this righteous life and I've been keeping myself from the love of money and I'm keeping myself pure from all kinds of evil things and immorality in the world. I've been walking with you. I've been faithful to you. And this is what you do to me. Don't get offended. <laughs> One of the things that you have to do is don't try to defend yourself. Vindication to vindicate yourself is a tremendous temptation. But that is the process through which the Lord will break you. You give it to him. Whatever you have, you know what he's going to do first? First he will give thanks. Thank you Jesus. This man has surrendered his life. (laughs) Next. Break. I thought you'll just eat me up like that. No, 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 no. Or you'll just put me there in the oven and say, oh, how beautiful this bread is. No. He's going to break. He's going to break you. And then he will use you. Okay. So this is, so don't get offended in the process. Don't get offended when people don't accept your message. That's something which is, Elijah got offended, I believe, in some, some sense. I thought, he thought that everybody in the, in Israel would be, would accept his message. Not necessarily. Jeremiah, 
He said, Lord, what is this? Why are the wicked prospering? Hey, hey, hey. If you are walking with footmen and you are getting tired, when the horsemen are coming, what will happen to you? So, don't get offended. Don't get offended. They will, many will be offended. And because they are offended, what they will do? They will betray one another and they will hate <coughs> one another. Then, seventh, lots of false prophets will arise. Lawlessness will increase. And the love of many will grow cold. And only those who stand firm or endure to the end will be saved. And then the end will come. Okay, that is how the whole whole thing has been given. So, be, be wary of deceptive doctrines. Seducing spirits. Many will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceptive spirits or seducing spirit and doctrines of demons. Okay, there are demonic doctrines all around the world. And this is so very important for us to understand. If you look at Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 and 6 to 8, look at what it says. I marvel. This is, this is, uh, um, Paul to the Galatian church, which is not living in immorality. But he's upset with them. He is more upset with the, with, than the Corinthian church. At least to the Corinthian church, he is giving some, uh, you know, platitudes. No, he's saying, "Oh, you're so good. Then you know, you're having all kinds of spiritual gifts. You're growing in knowledge. Great. All co- those commendations. But when it comes to the Galatian church, no commendations at all. Directly to the point, and he says, "I marvel that you have turned away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a what." To a different gospel. You got carried away into the different gospel. And then he says, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you, want to pervert the gospel of Christ, but we are an angel from heaven. You see, he's also saying there could be, you don't just look at the doctrine over here, there is a principality or even a a demonic entity which is backing up, which is which is uh, supporting this point of view. It's not from heaven, it's from the pits of hell. And it's accursed. Anathema. What is anathema? You will, if you accept this, you will end up in hell. If anyone who does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Come Lord. Anathema here. That's the word he says. If you have accepted this, because your doctrine is going to determine your behavior, and your behavior is going to determine your character, and your character is going to determine your destination. Or character. So doctrine is going to determine your character, character, behavior, behavior, destination, whatever, whatever order you want to put it. So, so if you have that, you have allowed that kind of a doctrine to enter into your heart or in your mind, huh, calculate your trajectory. You know where you are ending up? At the place of the accursed, anathema. What about the Corinthian church? Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses, uh, 2 to 4. Huh. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And look at what he says. But I fear, lest someone, let somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted by this, from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, receive another spirit, which you have not received, and a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well Put up with him. That means what? There is a doctrine or a gospel which has been empowered by a demonic entity which is seducing you into living a particular lifestyle. Both are seductions. Legalism, license. 
And the gospel is a straight and narrow path. And therefore we need tremendous amount of spiritual discernment and discipline in order to walk that straight and narrow path. There is no plan B for us. We cannot afford to go wrong. The point is that. So that's the first thing. Second, you will be persecuted. I told you, I mentioned about that. Because you are a Christian, you will be persecuted. And because you're being persecuted, a lot of people get what? Will get offended. And because they get offended, what do they do? They start betraying one another. They fight with one another. One another. Or, because they're getting, because they're seeing this incredible amount of persecution that is happening, they begin to fear. And when fear comes, automatically you will cut and run. That's the reason why it says in, uh, you don't have to turn there, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, when you go for war, that priest should come and admonish. Whoever is fearful, please let's, please just pack your bags and leave. Because if you are fearful, what are you going to do? You will cause the other people's hearts to melt. So just leave. And don't ever have this courage, Lord, I will never fear. That's what Peter's attitude, no? <laughs> Lord, even if everybody forsakes me, I will not forsake you. We'll come to that point later on. Fourth point is that there will be an increased lawlessness or iniquity. And what will happen? The love of many will grow cold. This is no, the hearts are not on fire for God. They're not guarding their hearts against coldness. They're not fighting sin. They're not fighting lovelessness. When they get upset with their brother, they're not mourning. And then there will be a temptation to give up. Fifth one. Why? He who stands firm until the end. There will be a temptation to give up. So there will be, like, that's the reason why he says, do not grow weary in doing good. So Paul wants, Paul wants Timothy, he says, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12, read that. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12, let's see. Hmm. Look at what it says. Yes, all who desire to live godly, everybody, no? Everybody, so all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. It's not godly lives by yourself. Okay, godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Suffer is to allow. Okay. So God will allow persecution into your life. Everyone who desires to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Okay. Godly lives. But do you have a desire first of all? Is a point. And then verse 13 is very interesting. (laughs) But evil men and Imposter. You know what an imposter is? Any ideas? The one who pretends to to be a what? To be a genuine godly person. He is not a person who's who's outside the church. He is the one who's inside the church. And he says, evil men and other translations will use the word seducers. Evil men and imposters. Evil men and seducers will grow or wax worse and worse. What are they, what is happening to them? They are deceiving others and also getting deceived. Godly people, there are two kinds of people. There is a clear separation within the church. 
Because the enemy also comes and plants stairs. We know that. Right? And when people are asleep, an enemy comes and plants in tears. Right? So you have these two kinds of people right there in the church growing together. One people who want to live godly lives, to desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus. And because they are living in godly lives in Christ Jesus, they will suffer persecution. They will be misunderstood. People will try, Satan will allow all kinds of attacks to offend them, try to get them offended. But you know what? They will say, Lord, I will hold on to you. I'm not going to give up this walk of faith. And they will rejoice and be exceedingly glad. They will just not take persecution with a pinch of salt. <laughs> they will be actually a set of people will be rejoicing and say, thank you Jesus that, you have, that we've been counted worthy to suffer these things. And the whole world will be stunned by their faith. That's what, that's the reason why it says these are the people who have turned the world what? Upside down. They will literally change. They will live a kind of a lifestyle which is absolutely di- <coughs> diametrically opposite to the lifestyle and the value system of this world. And because of their very presence, they will be causing so many people to get offended and uncomfortable and they will hate them because they do not conform to their Value system. And what will happen? They will incur the wrath of the enemy through people. They will suffer persecution. But how do they respond? They will respond with love. But they will not fear. Remember when Paul and uh, John were, J- J- Peter and John were, were beaten up, they came back, they were threatened by, this, by the Jewish, uh, uh, what do you say, the, the, the ruling class, the, ru- the ruling body of the Jewish temple. Don't preach in this guy's name, in Jesus' name. Should we suffer? Should we fear man or should we fear God? We will not stop. And they go back home. They start praying and they they say, "Lord, grant us grace." And that day, you know what will happen? The spirit of the Lord comes upon them, shakes the whole place. They are filled with the spirit. They go out and preach the word with boldness, more boldness and more courage. <coughs> so, <clears throat> so don't ever, don't ever. Get offended when you're persecuted. Guard your heart from offense. Offense is not just people who are corrected. No. You can also be offended because you're living a godly life. You understood? Why? And when people say good things, I mean bad things about your righteousness, then you'll get even more upset. That is the reason why it says in book in the book of Ezekiel, if a righteous man sins, how does a righteous man sin? I will put a stumbling block before him. Why will I put a stumbling block before him? Because he is trusting in his own righteousness. I will put a stumbling block. And what happens? What is a stumbling block? An offense. Stumbling block means offense. And what will happen? And then he sins. You know what Jesus, uh, Ezekiel says, or rather God through Ezekiel says, all his righteousness will not be remembered. And for the sin that he has committed, he will die. And if a wicked man repents and turns from his sin, he will live. And you say, house of Israel, you say, the way of the Lord is not equal. Am I unjust? Are, are your ways not unjust? Oh, you house of Israel. He says. Okay. So we should people who are, see people, you are on fire for God. For example, let's say. And people call you all kinds of names. How do you respond? Do you respond with love? And you go onto your knees and say, Lord, whatever it is, forgive that person, but Lord, let them also have that fire for you. Let them also live godly lives, Lord. Let them be encouraged and empowered to live for you. Let them have a testimony for you. Let them not compromise, Lord. If that is your response, you are free. 
you're free. You'll not be offended. Like Joseph was one guy. Man, he was a type in the old covenant. Man in the conscience age. Boy, how is he able to handle that kind of a pressure and never have any offense against anybody? Lord, I'm living this life. I'm keeping myself pure. And you're allowing these things to happen in my life. Never got offended. He never got offended because, see, God allowed this Satan to attack him with the spirit of seduction. At the same time, there is a thing, I believe, there is also he could have got, gotten offended. And that is also from devil, offenses of the devil. Because he was the first offended fellow. Okay, so don't get offended. So, then what, on the other hand, so these two kinds of people, evil men and deceivers, imposters, seductors. Seducers will grow wax, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So these two people will be in the church, right there in the church. We have to examine our heart and guard our hearts with all diligence. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. For out of it are the issues of life. Okay, so this morning, we will look at one fellow. His name means fear. Fearful. Okay. I told you, no. When if persecution arises, what will happen? Fear comes in and you start deceiving, you're betraying. How do you betray? How do you betray? What is betrayal? You act as if you are what? Loyal. But you're going behind the back trying to hamstring him. You act as if you're loyal. And it's interesting, right? In every one of our hearts, there is a Judas. Because when Jesus says in the last supper, one of you will betray me, everybody is troubled. They are saying, Lord, is it I, Lord? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Because they all got convicted. My goodness, they all knew somehow that they are susceptible to to betrayal, to betray somebody, to deceive. So we'll understand. We'll under. We'll and we'll look at it first. So in order to zero in onto that person. Okay, let us first go to 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 to 8. Okay, let's... David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adulaman. This guy, Saul, is after his life, okay? You see, you need to see the wilderness sufferings of of David. Whenever he is being... Um, uh, persecuted or pursued, several psalms come out. When he goes and uh, acts like a madman before Akish, the king of Gath, he writes one psalm. You know which psalm is this? Psalm 32, if I'm right. You don't have to turn there. Okay. Psalm 32. Okay. So every time somebody goes and tells, you know, David is in, in, the, in such and such a place, he goes and writes a psalm. See, there is, for every suffering that he is encountering in the wilderness, there is a spiritual entity behind it and therefore he understands a man who is inspired by the spirit, who is literally living vicariously the sufferings of Christ, or rather suffering, Christ is vicariously living his sufferings through David and the Holy Spirit inspires him to write a, a bunch of Psalms during his wilderness journeys. So that is something which you can study. You will get a lot of insight as to how to deal with uh, people who, who who are after your life. How to respond and how to wait on God to vindicate you. Because the temptation is to take the sword and kill him off. To have a 
Chinese mindset, if you will. I mean, sorry, what is the problem? Oh, you have a disease? The only way to eliminate the person is to kill him. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. So, this is something which is something which we need to really, really um, uh, look at carefully. Okay, so David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented, three Ds, DDD, okay. All three Ds came, okay, <laughs> gathered to him. He had a 3D crowd, okay, uh, gathered to him. So he became the captain over them. So he was a captain over the distress, the debt, uh, the indebted and the discontented. So if you are suffering with distress, having a lot of debt and you are discontented in life, David is your king, okay. So, so Jesus is your king in other words. So we'll, 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 that's a different message. We are not going to go into that today. So there were about 400, lot of men, okay, 400 men with him. That means they had men and families. So whenever it says men, they had families too. Let's, let's move, let's move on. Then David went from there to Mitzpah of Moab and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. Why did he go to Moab? Any ideas? His great-grandmother was from Moab. Okay, so he had some relatives there. He had some connections over there. So he went. Now we, that is, we are not going to, again, get into the details of it. David Wilkerson uh, wrote a, I mean, preached a powerful sermon called Moab Exposed. If you want, you can read that. Beautiful sermon. Listen to it also. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then what happened? Verse 8, verse 5. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went to the, went into the forest of Harith. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree. He had no other work but to wait for David's news. That's all. Whenever David's news came, this guy, this guy jumped into action. With the spear in his hand, to kill whom Baba? David. Just previous verse. We'll finish that first. Okay. Uh, with, with this, uh, yeah, six. This, uh, with a spear, with a spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. And verse seven. And Saul said to his servants who stood about him, here now you Benjamites. See, this Benjamite spirit is a very, very powerful spirit, okay? They are what we call as a clan. They have a clan mentality. Remember that, uh, concubine who gets, uh, raped and killed in judges? Who does it? Which town does it? The Benjamites do it. So the rest of Israel comes to fight with the Benjamites. They said, hand over those fellows to us. Nobody hands over that for those people. They just stand there and guard their brothers to death. So that's a, that's a, one of the spirit of the flesh it is. I mean, so it's a work of the flesh. You have more fleshly attachments than spiritual attachments. And you will stay with the clan against the spirit. We're not going to, that happens even when uh, when the transition of power takes place from uh, David's household to Saul's household. I mean, Saul's household to David's household. David, uh, Saul is from the house of Benjamin, and they don't they don't relinquish power so easily because they have the strong clan mentality. So Abner says Ishibosheth will be a king. Period. And then God has to do something to tick him off and then, you know, so many other things happen. But that we are not going to go into the details of that. Here now you Benjamites will the son of Jesse give every one of you the fields and vineyards and make you all captains of the thousands and captains of hundreds. Look at what he says next. All of you have, see, 
all of you have conspired against me. There is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant. This is Saul become now self full of self-pity. See, let me tell you something. I wrote this down. Never underestimate your flesh. We in our natural state are capable of the worst sins. So let us judge our hearts and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. When Samuel told Saul that he was already operating in the realm of witchcraft, he did not take it seriously. Instead he said, come and honor me before the people. Now he's envious of David, first. Afraid of David, second. Now he's after David to kill him. The scary part is not even aware of what he's doing. He's so deceived, so full of himself. He thinks the whole world is against him. He's given over to self-pity and he sees everyone as his enemy. The person who loves him also is his enemy now. Close to him. So you never underestimate. When a prophet comes, and tells you, this is what I see about you. I wrote that thing also down. The whole purpose of the prophetic ministry is that we understand our trajectories and take preemptive action. Lord, even if everybody forsakes you, I will not forsake you. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, Peter. Satan has asked me permission to sift you as wheat. Okay. Okay. And when you are, when you return, strengthen your brethren. No, 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 no. Even if, even if I have to come till death, I will not forsake you. Hey, hey, hey. Let me give you a sign. <laughs> Before the, the, the cock rose, you will deny me three times. I know where you are going. Full of self-confidence. Know your trajectories, my dear brothers and sisters. There's one guy, you know, in the Bible, whom the prophet tells his life, weeping. Look at his response. Second Kings chapter 18, verse 7, onwards. Are you there? The Lord was with him. Second Kings chapter 18, verse 7, onwards, yeah. Uh, and he prospered him and he, uh, wherever he went and he rebelled against. Is this 2nd Kings chapter 18? Chapter 8, not 18. Yeah. Chapter 8, sorry. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. My goodness, one number will make so much, so much of a difference, huh? You see? Numbers are very important. Precision is very important. Verse 7 onwards. Then Elisha went to Damascus and Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, was sick. And it, was, and it was told him, saying, the man of God has come here. And the king said to Hazel, take a present in your hand. This is Ben-Hadad telling Hazel, his, uh, his I think, assistant or somebody. Take a present in your hand. Go to Go to meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, shall I recover from this disease? So Hazel went to meet him and took a present with him of every good thing of Damascus, 40 camel loads, 
boy. And he came and stood before him and said, Your son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you saying, Shall I recover from this disease? And Elisha said to him, Go go say to him, You shall certainly recover. However, the Lord has shown me that he will die, really die. Then he set his countenance in a stare to Hazel. He's looking at Hazel like this. It's like this, no? And the man, until he was ashamed, he's like, and the man of God wept. He's crying. It's like as if I'm looking at Sammy like that, no? I'm just keep on staying at Sammy, and Sammy's getting convicted. And now I just start weeping. That's what Paul tells, you know, I tell you before and I tell you now weeping, there are many who are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, whose end is destruction. Weeping, and this is exactly what he says, then he set his countenance in a stare until he was ashamed and the man of God wept. And then, and Hazel said, why is my Lord weeping? And look at what he says. He answered, because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel. Their strongholds you will set on fire and their young men you will kill with a sword and you will dash their children and rip open their woman with child. So Hazel said, but what is your servant? A dog? That he should do this gross thing? And Elisha answered, the Lord has shown me that and you will become king over Syria. And you know, the very next moment, he goes to his master and he murders him. You don't have to do it, to go there. Murders him. That's how this fellow's life starts. So, whenever a prophetic word comes, take preemptive action. Two Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. Can you do it in uh, NIV, if you don't want? If you don't believe, or if you don't mind, please. If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? (laughs) We're talking about spiritual strength. The strength to withstand the pressure that is coming. Do you think that we have in and of ourselves the courage, the fearlessness to stand against the powers of darkness? That is going to be unleashed in this world in the last days? We should be really conceited, full of ourselves to think that we are able to, we'll be able to stand just because we are in a good church. A church which preaches the truth. Oh, let nothing of those things be our, 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 what do you call, our defense. No. If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Another one. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 3. Again, you can see, do it in NIV itself. 22 verse 3. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. NLT. If you can look at it in NLT. New Living Translation. A prudent person foresees danger ahead and takes precautions. Oh, please. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So please, 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 my dear brothers and sisters, who are listening to me? And who will listen to me? If there is a prophetic word which has come into your life and it is a corrective word, don't think, don't say, no, no, no. Will I ever, be, I will not be able to. Don't be like Peter and say, no Lord, even if everybody forsakes you, I will not. Judge your hearts because in and of ourselves, we are capable of the worst sin. 
Okay, let's turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 22. All of you have consulted the Lord. All of you have conspired against me. And there is no one who reveals to me that my son has, that my son, to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. This is talking about Jonathan. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me. You see how, how self-pity has taken over pride. See, lot of people are proud people. You know how do, how we know they are proud people? Because their whole life is revolving around their problems and how people are not paying attention to their problem. Oh, you do not know my from where I have come from. Imagine. You do not know. You don't even care. You do not know how, what kind of a life I lived. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's possible. I'm not saying that we should, it's easy to live this godly life. No. But we have to fight it. We cannot allow self-pity to come into our lives. Blame game. That is the Adamic nature. Hmm? Self-pity. Nobody feels sorry for me. Have you? And I've seen like the, nobody feels sorry for me. You don't know what kind of a life I had. You don't know my parents. You don't know my boss. So many other people. And you, in other words, you are such a fantastic person. Had it not been for all these people, you would have been something else, maybe. That's what you're trying to say. Nobody feels sorry for me. Or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servants against me. To lie in wait, as it is this day. Can you imagine how deceived this person is? You see, when you have hatred towards others, you feel that the whole world hates you. When you gossip about others, you feel that the whole world is gossiping about you. When you have murderous attitude towards others, you feel that the whole world is trying to murder you. If you are unfaithful to you, somebody, you feel that the whole world is unfaithful to you because what you are in your heart, you project it on others. See, the whole world is unfair. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it as the issues of life. So if we still haven't zeroed in on the person, the person gets introduced in verse 9 now. Then answer Doeg the Edomat. The title of today's message, Every Doeg has his day. Every Doeg has his day. And I got it from one another man of God. Okay, so if uh, I'm referencing everything now, but I am not preaching what he's preached. Okay, so so let me be very careful also. Because suddenly, suddenly you know, we have... I don't want to say anymore now. Then answered Doeg the Edomite. Who was set over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going into Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. You see, when Saul is, um, you know, what do you say? Talking about his self-pity, somebody responds. Who responds? Doeg the Edomite. 
Oh, you know you are going through so many problems, brother. Oh, the life has been so unfair to you. Your parents have been such a terrible people in your life. Your boss is absolutely unkind. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, I understand what you are going through. That is doik. Who feeds your flesh. It is a spirit which feeds your flesh. Doeg the Edomite. And look at this murderer who was set over the servants of Saul. We'll try to understand them. Okay. I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, son of Ahatub, or to Ahimelech, the son of Ahatub. And he inquired of the Lord for him. Gave him provisions. Gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. That means, the priests have betrayed you. Does he know the story? Was he there? Absolutely. We'll come to him. Come to that person later. Let's move on. So the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahathub, and all his father's house, and the priests who were in Noab, and Nob, and they all came to the king, and Saul said, Hear now the son of Ahathub. He answered, Here I am, my lord, Heneni. Okay. And, and Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me? You and the son of Jesse. You see? How he's reading into all this? You know, when a man who is given to flesh and who is full of self-pity sees everybody as his enemy now. In that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of the Lord for him. You see, in other words, you should not pray for somebody else. You should not pray for my enemies. You should curse them. That's the idea over here. That he should rise up against me to lie in wait as it's this day. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, look at, look at how Ahimelech answers. He tries to put sense into, into Saul's head, but this man is not going to accept it. And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law? He is your son-in-law. Who goes at your bidding. Who is honorable in your house. You see, he's trying to speak a lot of good about David. To him. You see, you need to have, what kind of eyes do you have? Do you have the eyes which see the good in others? Or which will always focus in on the bad in others? You have a doeg spirit or an ahimelic spirit. And then goes on. Did I then begin to inquire of the Lord for him? Far it be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all, at all of this matter, little or much. And then, and the king said, you shall surely die. Poof. You and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord. Boy. Because their hand also is with David and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. You think about, see, Saul is trying, I mean, God is trying his level best through different kinds of people to bring in some sense into Saul. But he would not have it. Because you know why? He's so focused on himself now. Bah! I mean, I'm one of the scariest characters in the Bible is Saul terrifies you. If the hand of God is off your life, this is where you'll end up, brothers. Tremble. 
You know, if you think that you have these attitudes, as a Lord, do something. Just lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Now, right now, Lord. Right now, right now. You see, because everybody has a Saul in them. Everybody has a Judas in them. Everybody has a Doeg in them. We're going to talk about Doeg very soon, very, very quickly, very soon. Turn and kill the praise of the Lord because their hand is also with David. But the servants would not even lift. Think about it, no? There you have David and his servants who say, Lord, take the sword and kill him. And he says, don't do it. And here is Saul who said, take the sword and kill him. And the servants are teaching. The point is, you are not teachable anymore. You are not teachable. You have come to a point where nobody can say anything to you. Nobody can say anything to you. Your heart is so hard. You are so focused on yourself. Your life is completely about you and your position in your life. You are holding on to it. The position has become an idol in your life. And therefore it's what, what is happening. Wherever you have idol, you have demons. And you do not know that you are walking in the realm of witchcraft. And you will do anything in your capacity to kill anybody so that you don't have competition. You know why? You are given over to the spirit of competition. Crazy. You are restrained. The servants are teaching I mean, that is the difference between Saul and David, no? Nathan would come and say one parable, he will repent. Joab will come and say one parable, somehow he will change his heart. But this, this guy, so full of himself. So full of himself. Full of self-pity. Self-pity is a dangerous spirit. Why? Because it's got pity of the self. Your whole life is, it's like, you know, it's puffed up, you know. That's what it says, it's a pride in a very subtle way. But it is pride. You know, it says pride puffs up, right? Pride puffs up. It puffs, puff, puffing up, you have a swelling. So when anybody touches your swelling, what will happen? Oh, oh, you do it, no? Because that swelling, you're, no, if, even if anybody pokes you a little, or even touches you, He'll respond. That is puffing up. You're you're swollen. (laughs) So you look at everybody as your enemy. And look at the next verse now. And the king said to Doeg, you turn and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priests and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen effort. Also Noab, look at this. Look at the spirit of this murderer. Also Noab, the city of the priests, he struck. Who struck? He struck with the edge of the sword. Men, women, children, nursing infants, oxen, donkeys, sheep with the edge of the sword. Everything. Everything. Let's move on. One escapes, always. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, his name is Abiathar, of course, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. 
And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. And look at what David says. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he will surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Now which day is he referring to? Now we'll introduce for the very first time in the Bible, my dear ladies and gentlemen, and brothers and sisters, the very first time in the Bible, a character called Doeg is going to be introduced. Let's read for Samuel chapter 21 verses 1 to 7. And let us do who this fellow is and what is his spirit. Chapter 21 verses 1 to 7. Now David came to Noab, to Ahimelech. Why are you alone? Etc. We know the story, right? We know the story. He is asking for bread and he has only shoe bread. Okay? And he says, uh, you can eat the shoe bread if your men have not Come near women. He says, women have not come near, near us anymore. We have been, we've been kept from women. Everybody is clean. So no problem. And he, he takes the bread. He says, ask for a, ask for a, for a, for a, um, what do you say? A sword. And he says, okay, there's a sword of Goliath over here. And he says, fantastic. And then he takes it. And then we in, are introduced to this great fellow called Doeg. Look at so many things mentioned in one verse in the Bible. One verse is one study. 21-7. Okay, let's read 6 and 7 to get a context. Okay, and then we'll come to 27. Okay. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the shoe bread or the bread of the presence, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to be, in order to put hot bread in its place. So every uh, fortnight you have to change the bread. Okay. Uh, on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day. Look at the detail. Detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg. An Edomite. A chief herdsman and shepherd. Okay, The chief of the shepherds who belong to Saul. So much of detail given about this one character. A spirit which inspires murder. Name. Let's first come to the name. The name Doeg means fearful. Deceitful. That's his name. What's his pedigree? He's an Edomite. Of Edom. Of whose great, 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 great grandfather is of the, he's a descendant of Esau. And you know what Edom means, by the way? Edom is how you write it in, in, uh, in, in English. In English you write Edom. Okay. If you write the word in word in Hebrew, the word for Edom has the same set of letters as the word from for Adam or Adam. Both have the same root word. Okay. So now think about this. Doeg means fearful. He is of Adam. The man of The flesh. Why did I say this? First, see, there are only two ways to walk in this world. Either you are in Christ or you are you are either in Christ or you are either you are in Christ or you are (laughs) and therefore 
either you are in Christ or you are in Adam. First go to Romans chapter 5 verse 21. No, no, sorry, 12. Why, why am I putting reversing numbers these days? Okay. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned for until the law was sin was in the world but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who are not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam who is a type of him to come. Now, Adam, okay, is a type, last Adam is a type of Christ. But when Adam sinned, when all of us who were in Adam also sinned along with him, is the doctrine. Now, very interesting. It says, is Jacob allowed? Esau is, I've hated, and Esau was the father of all the Edomites. Or all the, he represents the people of the flesh or the set of people who are still in Adam. Who are still in Adam. And what happens if you are still in Adam? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 21 onwards. Verse 21 onwards. 21 and 22 is enough. For sins by man, who's that man? Adam, came death by the man also, which is Christ, came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, all die. Why, why do you die? Because you have sin, of course. But why do you primarily die? Because you are still in Adam. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. So there are only two places that you can actually dwell. Jesus has, for when Christ has raised us up from the dead, he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. So Adam, I mean, sorry, if you are a Christian, you are in Christ and positionally, like pastor said, you are seated not in the second realm, but you are seated in the third realm. And therefore, it says in Colossians chapter 3, you don't have to turn there. If you have been raised up with Christ, set your hearts and minds on heavenly things and not on earthly things. Your thoughts and your affections have to be there where, where you are actually seated positionally in Christ. And therefore, your perspective in life has to be perspective, has to be a perspective from heaven. Okay? So think about this now. Think about this. No. And let us go another place. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 onwards. 45 onwards. There's a dif- distinction between the two. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, I think you're, uh, you're is it the NKJV or NIV? Yes. NKJV, okay. Uh, actually, can you root, put, put KJV, please? It's a beautiful rendering in KJV. <coughs> Okay. And so it was written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Ah. God breathed into him the breath of life and Adam became a living soul. Nefesh. Nefesh. That's what it means. Okay. Nefesh. That who depends upon the breath from God to live his life. 
Okay, looked at that yesterday. Last night, Pastor was saying, no, we have three part being. We have the spirit, we have the soul, and we have the body. So when Adam was created, the very breath of God or the spirit of God came into Adam, and the soul was drawing that power and the strength from the spirit and was living its life. But when Adam sinned, the spirit died. Now he is left to his soul to live the rest of his life. And that soul got corrupted. First man Adam was made a living soul. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit or a person who gives life and it is not in the soul, it is in the spirit. So you are, if you are in Adam, you are of the soul or of the flesh. If you are in Christ, you are of the spirit and therefore of faith. Look at what it says, verse 46. How be it, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Therefore it says, a natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit of God, uh, things of God, because it is his flesh. For he is flesh. He cannot receive. And so many people cannot understand the words of God because they are still, still either in the soul or mind is taken over by the flesh. They are either living in the intellect or they are living in the carnal. How be it, that was not first which was spiritual, but that which was natural and afterwards the spiritual. Next verse. Let me say this. The first man is of the Ah, he is of the earth. His mind is always taken up by earthly things. You see, that's what it says, no? If you look at the Hebrew, Adam was made from Adameh. Adam means what? Aleph, Dam. Aleph is from God. Dam means blood. Okay. God gave him blood, but made him from the dust. So you have two options, Adam. Either you will live for God, or you will live for dust. And the moment you chose to live, to disobey God, what did God say? For dust you were, to dust you will go. So the the first man, Adam, is of the earth, and therefore he's earthy. <laughs> I like that. Very nice adjective. He is of the earth, and therefore he's earthy. You are an earthy fellow. Earthworm. You, Jacob, the worm, earthworm, okay? You're, you're crawling on the earth. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. So if you are, as long as you're in Adam, you're only thinking about the things of this world. Your mind is occupied with earthly things. Or intellectual things. Boy, I'm telling you something. One of the things that I want to also practice every day of my life now, Lord, let me not make faith into an intellectual exercise. Faith is life, not intellectual. Are you understanding this? As is the earthy, such are also those who are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are those who are also that are heavenly. And then he makes a statement, and as we were born in the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And verse 50, now this I say, categorical statement of the millennium, if you will, now this I say, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit in corruption. Period. 
So what does Doeg represent here, my dear brothers and sisters? A man of the earth. A man of flesh and blood. A man who doesn't have any discernment of the spiritual. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot even understand the things of king, things of the things of God. You cannot actually represent. You cannot know Christ. Let me tell you something. Jesus come to Caesarea Philippi, and he asks this question: What do me people say I am? Everybody says, "You are this, you are that, you are that." Jeremiah, Elijah, etc., etc., etc. Then he says, "Who do you you say I am?" And Peter makes a statement. He says, you are son of God. Let's, let's turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 onwards. But what about you, he asked. What do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You see, he recognized. The son of the living God. And look at what, he, what the next statement. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for... Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. <laughs> okay. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood also cannot receive the revelation of God. That's the point. You cannot receive the revelation of the true God. Either you will God, you will make a God who will, who will excuse all your sin. That is what we call as a license. Or you will make a God who will own who's expecting you to perform to win his approval. That is what we call as legalism. So either if you are here, if you are doing, I mean, this is called liberalism or legalism <laughs> or liberalism, liberalism or so-called conservatism. Okay. Have you seen that you see even in this even even in the in the west actually people who are walking in the flesh when you talk about the things of the spirit or godly principles and godly values how they hate you the last 3 years of the, of the trump administration you should see in the universities the kind of animosity and hatred they had for anybody who held the conservative opinion they called him all kinds of names Homophobe, Islamophobe, uh, what is that? Other phobes? Xenophobe, racist, white supremacist. <laughs> the irony is that if a black guy holds a, a conservative opinion, they'll call the black guy also a bright, white supremacist. I mean, that's the irony of it all. I mean, they, <laughs> it's remarkable actually. The hatred. If you hold godly principles and you are not judging others, you are just holding. Onto it. That kind of hatred and vitriol they have. The whole liberal media. For example, yesterday I think we were having a discussion. Mike Pence said we should pray. And the CNN, uh, interviewer or the, or the, what's his name? Or the, uh, or the, we like her name under Telugu, English law? Uh, reporter. The CNN reporter, reporter said, how come you're expecting this thing to go away with prayer? You see how they hate. 
the moment you talk to earthly people about heavenly things and about heavenly principles, about heavenly value values, you talk to them about moral values and ethical values, will be fine. But when you talk about Christ, they get offended. They get offended. So he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my dear, my dear Simon Barjona, but my father who is in heaven. In other words, in order to receive revelation, you cannot be of the earth. You cannot be in Adam and expect to receive a revelation. Even if there is a revelatory message that is going on, you will never be able to receive it as long as you are in Adam. You will only have some kind of an intellectual crisis and you will say, oh fantastic message brother, but it will never have penetrated and crossed over the barriers of the lies and of your soul and gotten into your spirit. It wouldn't have. Because you are so preoccupied with earthly things. <sighs> Flesh and blood. And then I say to you, Peter, on this rock, etc., etc. Now look at next what happens. Verse 21. You see, Son of God, from that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. See, now why should he suffer? Because Christ did not have a liberal view or a legal view. He had the gospel view. I have to suffer for sins. And Peter says, okay, look at, let's read that. And, and suffer. Let's read that, read that before you, before you. Okay, uh, and, uh, 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 yeah, and, and from that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Lord, you're such a good man, Lord. All good people who are living a righteous life should go to heaven. They should not be persecuted. You see, the legal side is coming out now. Far be it from you, Lord, that this should not happen to you. And immediately look at what he says. But he turned and said to him, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. And look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of Adam, of man. Of Adam. You are still earthbound. You received a revelation, but you are still earthbound. The revelation should have taken to your higher realm instead of still thinking about prosperity on this earth. That's what happens. A lot of people receive genuine revelations. But they, when, when the revelation is going to the congregation, they all are taking the revelations and looking at the things of the earth. Because the revelation is going to Adam. You did not receive it by Flesh and blood, but my father who gave it to you. Look at another man. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 onwards. Who is this man? You all know it, okay? But it, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me into his grace to reveal, what is that? Again, what is that? Revelation. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him to the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. In other words, I did not go and have a discussion with flesh and blood. I received a revelation from heaven. I'm not going to have a discussion with flesh and blood. And he, look, at his, look at his statement. Nor did I even go up to Jerusalem. 
Where is the who are in Jerusalem? The church which has been birthed is in Jerusalem. I didn't even go there. Who were apostles before me? I don't know. Maybe he was not sure. I don't know. <laughs> because Peter later on slowly withdraws. You know why? It says Peter was afraid and he drew back and people including Barnabas were being carried away by his hypocrisy. How, what, what happened to Peter? He was fearful. Notice that point. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned to the He also received a revelation, but he would not discuss things with flesh and blood. Let me tell you something. You have a vision from God, don't discuss with flesh and blood. That's exactly what Joseph did. Hey guys, what do you think about this dream? You got a revelation and these are all earthbound. What are you going to discuss heavenly things with earthly people? It's not mean that, it doesn't mean that you're considered you live like this. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. People who receive greater and greater revelation like Apostle Paul should be more and more humble. If not, God will send you a messenger of Satan to humble you. That's exactly what happened to David also, I mean, Joseph also. In some way, a messenger of Satan came to him and he was humbled. So that his mind will not get puffed up by the manifold revelations that he has received. Okay, take it easy boss. If I don't put this messenger of Satan, I entreated three times. You know what he said? My grace is sufficient for you. My For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You stay weak. Stay weak. Stay weak. Stay humble. The moment you get puffed up, gone. So don't confer with flesh. Don't discuss things of the spirit with things. That's, that's what we call throwing pearls before. Why? Because what does it mean? You're not calling them swine. You, those people don't value earthly things. What does a swine do? It goes back its, into its mire. It's a swine spirit. Which loves mud. Wallow in the mire. Okay. Don't discuss. In other words, we are not. We don't have. We don't have. We don't have any. We, are, we don't have that attitude. We are not. We are not holier than thou. No. 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 Don't, don't mistake. Don't misunderstand. One of the things that you should do is take heed to your ways that I sin not with my tongue. Put a muzzle on your mouth. Be quiet. Very. Your very quietness will be an indictment. You don't have to speak. Okay, so that's the first thing about Doeg. What is his name? His name is Doeg, means fearful. What's his pedigree? He's an Edomite, means he's of Adam. He's of flesh and blood. And the third thing, let's go back to First Corinthians, uh, sorry, First Samuel chapter twenty-one and verse seven. So much of detail is given about Doeg. Okay. Now, a certain man of the servants of Saul was in there. There. Uh, detained before the Lord and his name was Doeg. Okay. Um, he's an Edomite. He's the chief shepherd of Saul. You know what the word shepherd is actually gets translated in different other places in the Bible? Pastor. Who are you, Baba? Senior pastor. Who are you? What's your name? Doeg. Fearful in Adam. And you are? The chief pastor. Appointed by Saul. Adi point. What call it? Point. There are so many <laughs> chief pastors in the flesh. They have no revelation. Absolutely no revelation. 
No revelation. See, the church is built upon revelation, right? Upon this rock I will build the church and the girls. That means if there is no revelation of the person of God and the, and the person of Jesus Christ, what are you building? They are all chief pastors simply because they have an earthly degree. But they don't have spiritual credentials. They are man of earth. The epitome of success. We have to be very careful never to exalt flesh. And never to allow flesh to be exalted. Both. If anybody is doing some kind of a commendation, run for your life. If you get some kind of a commendation, go to your secret closet of prayer and fall before God and say, Lord, I am dust apart from you. Are we not? If God were to take away His grace from our life, Vruddha Nare, Pati Vruddha. If we just were to take off his hand from our life, what are we, my dear brothers? What are we? You know, that that thing is such a liberating truth. You will be free from when people don't commend you or commend you. That is the reason why Paul says, you know what? It is a small matter for me to be commended by you. I don't even commend myself. Even though my conscience is clear with God and with man. I don't have anything in my conscience against God, man or against God. But I will never commend myself. My justification comes from who? God. Let God exalt you. Let God, even if say man says certain thing, good things about you, go to your secret closet, have prayer and say, Lord, without you I am nothing. In my flesh there is nothing good. Just go fall flat on your face before God and start weeping. You know, I remember my mentor you know, in my growing up days. You know, um, we had a youth camp. In, when I was in uh, university, masters, I'm doing my masters, and I had a mentor's name is Shibu. I mentioned this some time back. And you know, uh, she, we, we had three or four sessions in a day, and Shibu would come and preach the word. We used to just go, we used to start crying. The conviction of the Holy Spirit was so powerful in our lives. People's lives were getting changed, okay? And then we were like, Thank you, Shibana, for the word. Thank you. God spoke to me, Shibana. Thank you so much for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for challenging us. All, I mean, whenever God is using a man, no, you all surround yourself. The man is surrounded by all of you, right? And thank you so much. And then we will all take a nap in the afternoon, okay? All of us are sleeping in the afternoon. And one day I just got up in the afternoon. I just wanted to go to the washroom and, and drink, drink some water. And Shibu was there on the other side in, the, in another room, okay? You know what he was doing? He was falling flat on his face before God and said, Lord, I'm nothing. 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 I'm nothing without you. Lord, I'm nothing without you. You should see that man's passionate prayer. Passionate prayer. Nothing without you. And I looked at that and I said, boy, what a man. What a man. You know, when uh, I went to Goa sometime back and I went to his place and I just told him, thank you so much, Shibona, for uh, for encouraging me. It's because of the seeds that you've sown in my life. I'm in the ministry. And uh, and then, you know, uh, he gave me an offering, okay? And I said, I, I can't receive it. And you know what he said, Vijay? You are living at a higher spiritual level than me. I'm still working and taking care of myself, but you are walking by faith. I commend you for your faith. I receive this, please. Don't reject this. It's a blessing to me. What a man. 
What a man. You see, these are people who stayed humble when they were used of God. Because they realized that in their flesh there is nothing good. Why do you think Paul was used so much? Simply because he had this attitude. Lord, I'm first of all the least of the apostles, I am the least of all the saints, I am the chief of all sinners, Lord. And he was not boasting or he was not acting humble. God, he was so humble, God said, you please write it there. It's like, you know, Moses, you are the humblest man on planet earth. You are also the chief sinner. You are writing it. Yes, I know you mean it from the bottom of your heart and you are not acting humble. A lot of people act humble. Oh, you know, I'm nothing brother. I'm nothing sister. God can see through all that. When people commend you or don't commend you. In fact, when people don't, just they have to say certain things about you. I'm not saying that you should not encourage people. Don't misunderstand me. You understand what I'm saying? You should encourage people. You should give them encouragement. Sometimes, you know, you a young man needs a commendation. Let's say he has done a good work. You go and say, you know what? I commend you. Done a good job. Good job. That would encourage him. But let never pride set in in our lives. Guard your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. What are we? Let us truly mean it, Lord. What are we, Lord? What are we? If you take your hand away from our lives, we are nothing but dust. We are also like Peter. One moment we have a revelation from God, next moment we are men of earth. We are mindful, not of things of God, but we are mindful of the things of man, of Adam. So, senior pastor without revelation is, another interesting detail is given. Let's go back. What is this very interesting detail? You know, sometimes when the details are given, you should see. Now, a certain man of the servants of Saul was there, detained before the Lord. You know what that word detained means? Restrained, shut up, locked up, where? Before the Lord. In other words, he's Acting humble, but he's not. He's looking for an opportunity to release all his animal instincts and when the opportunity presents itself, he will go. It's what we call as a religious spirit. I'll talk about that. What is detained? Shut up. You know what? He's a man in the flesh. He's a man in Adam, full of flesh and blood. Okay? Okay, man of the flesh. Look at what Galatians has to say about this. Shut up. Restrained. Detained. Where? Before the Lord. No? Turn to Galatians chapter 3. And let's read from verse 22 and 23. We know this. Pastor was mentioning this so many times. right? But anyways, we'll read it. But the scripture has confined all under sin. Locked us up. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might appear, might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under God by the law. Can you have the KJV? Yeah, verse 23. Love that in KJV. Verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up. <laughs> we were literally shut up, confined. It's like law, as like pastor was explaining, right? He says law is a restrainer. Okay, it says, don't sin. But the moment the restraining influences leave from your life, what happens? The demons inside you come out. So man, who's of the flesh, who's in Adam, Who's also been given a position? Boy, you, if, if there are people in any church where 
there are doegs in the in the in the eldership literally they are not of the spirit they are of the flesh and why are they given positions in the in the in the in the in the church because they have earthly accomplishments oh he is an ias officer he is be an elder are what are you talking about you know in the church to at in the first century church to get a position if for example if you were to uh, send your your resume okay sir i want to be uh, the waiter in your church okay qualification number 1 full of the holy spirit first qualification number 2 full of wisdom to wait at tables you need a man full of holy spirit and of wisdom to become a worship leader how much more you should have to become an elder in the church how much more you should have in other words you cannot be a man of the flesh and be a elder in the church you see that it's, a, it's dangerous you shut up you restrain you are a man of law you are under the law and in other words you are under a curse basically is restrained before the lord what is he doing there a man of the flesh in the presence of the lord what is he doing in the tabernacle it's all these are all types that's the reason why i said you know in uh, jeremiah chapter 9 verse 25 i showed you that verse 20 25 maybe no yeah 25 26 behold the days come says the lord that i will punish all them which are circumcised and the uncircumcised look at what it says the next verse verse 26 egypt juda edom kya baat hai all in one category children of ammon and moab they are uncircumcised in the flesh you are uncircumcised in the heart in other words technically all are uncircumcised what is uncircumcised what is uncircumcision circumcision ka matlab kya hai you are cut away from the world what is circumcision you are cut away you are married to the world now you don't want to be married to the world what is uncircumcision you are totally joined to the world you are having pleasure with the world that's what it means by what is circumcision cutting away why that particular organ simply because you are having pleasure with the world that's what it means worldly attitudes worldly principles that's the reason it says adulterers and adulteresses don't you think friendship with the world is enemy with god man of the flesh and edomite in the presence of the lord and there are so many edomites in the churches people who are of the flesh who don't understand spiritual things who are restrained who don't have liberty they believe that their righteous works will bring them salvation no they are only restrained they are not so so many so many children i mean i'm talking about young people also they are only restrained they do eggs in the presence of the lord as long as they have elderships watching over them they will behave themselves but because they are restrained they are not free they're pretending as if they are holy but they're not holy they pretending as if they have heart for god and love for jesus but they're not they don't have a heart for god they don't have a love for jesus they're only restrained they don't have a heart for god they don't have a love for jesus they're detained before the lord are you doing today 
in the presence of the Lord? You're only retained. You're shut up. You don't have opportunities to sin. Because everything has been taken away. But little freedom is given to you. You know your true colors. Dogs will come out. You're man of the flesh. In Adam. And the irony is that you're deceived into thinking that you're spiritual when you're not. That is the reason why it says, go to Galatians chapter 4. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Fired up it is. I say to you that an heir, as long as he is a child, differeth not from a servant, though he be a lord of all, but he is under guardians and governors and what is he? He is what before the Lord? He is restrained. He is shut up. He is detained before the Lord. See, if you are really loving God, you don't have to fear anybody, right? You are absolutely free to do, to worship God. Nobody has to watch you. Because you know what you are and who you are and nobody has to watch you. You are absolutely a Joseph. Whether you are in Potiphar's house, the Lord is with you. Whether you are in prison, the Lord is with you. Because you are a free man in, in the prison or in the, in the palace. You are, the, you are free. You are not caged. You are a free man. You are a delivered man. But there are so many people who are caged. They are restrained. But they don't understand deep down inside of their heart. If God were to take away all those restraining influences from their life, the real fellow will come out. Think about it, my dear brothers and sisters, young children, young brothers, teenagers. Do you love God with all of your heart? Or are you restrained before God? Are you restrained before God? If you are restrained before God, let me tell you, but from the authority of the Holy Spirit, you are a doeg. You are a doeg. Okay. Look at this hatred of this guy. What happens? Kill him. What does he do? He kills everybody. The priests, the children, their cattle, their everything. So we are not upset with anybody. We are just judging our hearts. See, liberty, that is the reason why it says in Galatians chapter 5, it says, no, don't have to turn there. It says, stand fast. Okay, you can turn there. Galatians chapter 5. Uh, chapter 5 and verse 1. Yeah. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. See, either you are a doeg or you are a son. A son doesn't have to pretend that he is a son. He is a son. <laughs> but he says, son, as long as he is a heir, he is still a do- as, he, as long as he is a child, he is still a doeg. He is not mature. If you have not grown to maturity, unless you have supervision, you cannot work your doeg. But when the supervision is gone, the real philosophy will come out. You see, this is the dangerous thing. You could be deceived. All of us, no? Think about it. Now, how do we work when Pastor James is watching us and how do we work when Pastor James is not watching us? Or we know that he's around or how do we behave ourselves? Think about it. 
Oh, the, if the, for example, let's say CCTV camera is all around, let's say. Okay, and he, let's say he's got access there. Oh, just before the CCTV camera, we'll go and show. Okay? Chautana. Camera is gone. True fellow comes out. That is the real you. That is the reason why Jesus says, the Lord who watches you in secret will reward you openly. Meaning why? Because the Lord who watches you in secret, that you in secret is a real you. The other fellow who is outside is only a pretender. This is the real you. He is a doeg. You are what? You are restrained. You are under tutors. You know what? We have to come off age. You know when you come off age? I'll tell you when Abigail has come off age, right? When she takes the math textbook on her own and she starts solving problems. Ah, that is a day when I know that she has come off age. Till then she is what? Doeg. As far as mathematics is concerned. Solve the problem. Solve the problem. Do it. Hundred problems. Chai, chai. Now I'm not able to have the time now. Once this lockdown is over, I'm going to spend time with her now. As long, but she does all the, all the, all the other things. Enel Blyton, oh ho, she finished the whole series of Enel Blyton now. Now she's reading something else now. She's reading everything fast now. That, that I have to stop. <laughs> and I have to take all that interest and put her in the math also now. Restrained. Are you restrained? Is a question. Then what happens? The real you comes out. And that, and you know what? There's a hatred for the spiritual. That's the reason why it says, Ishmael, when he saw Isaac, he mocked him and he scoffed him. And this man, Abraham is totally blinded. He's not able to see. You want to know what is the spirit which empowers Doeg? It's found in Obadiah. Only one chapter. Last time, last night we went to Nahum. Today we'll go to Obadiah. Okay. Obadiah chapter one. Look, this is scary. Okay. I'm just going to read certain things which will go just, just drive you nuts. The detail is gory. The vision of Abadiah. Thus says the Lord. Concerning who? Edom means what? A man who's under? Who's in Adam. Okay. As long as you're in Adam, you're Edom. Okay. We have heard a report from the Lord. And a messenger has been sent b- among the nations. Saying, arise and let us arrive, arise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be at greatly despised. You see, that's what he said. God says, I love Jacob and Esau. I have hated. Why? Verse 3. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, you who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Pride. Though you ascend as high as the eagle and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. The spirit of Edom. Then verse 5. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be cut off. Would they have stolen till they have they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they have not left some gleanings? Look at that. Uh, sarcasm over there. Uh, sarcasm, okay. Oh, how Esau shall be searched out. How his hidden treasures shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Evil men and seducers shall grow wax 
verse and verse, deceiving and being deceived. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Why? Why, Lord? Why? Why? Next verse. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Temam, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off from, cut off by slaughter. Next verse. Look at it. For violence against your brother Jacob. You hated him. Shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. You know why? You despise the birthright. You were not interested in the things of God. You sold your birthright for a pot of stew and now you hate your brother because who is interested in spiritual things? That is a that is a doeg spirit. That is a spirit which is under Adam. In the day that you stood in the on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. You know what you did? Look at the next verse. But you should have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity. Not you should, you should not have gazed. Nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destructions. Nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of her distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you shall not be gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity. Nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood. And verse 15, for the day of the Lord... She is coming upon you. What is what is the problem? What was the what were they doing? What were they doing? The sinister, gory detail. Psalm one thirty seven. Let's read from one one, one onwards. So verse one, one, one onwards. Look at what it what it says about Edom. Psalm one thirty seven, verse one onwards. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked us for a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth saying, please sing, God is good all the time. Verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I don't remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy, remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it. To its very foundation. Bring it down. Bring it down. To its very foundation. And next verse. Oh daughter of Babylon. Who are to be destroyed. Happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy is the one who takes your little ones and dashes against the rock. You know what was happening? Babylon was coming. Babylon invaded Judah. And they took all their uh, little ones and they were killing all of them. And Edom was watching. from And they hated Israel. They hated Judah. They said, hey, 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 Babylonians, you know, that fellow is hiding over there. The little baby is hiding over there. Go, 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 go. Take the little one and kill it also. So what would the Babylonians say? Oh, the little one over there? They would take the little one and hurl it like that and dash the head against the rock and kill it. That is the Edomite spirit. You know how they do abortion? They crush the head of the skull of the baby. Am I right, doctor? They crush it and kill it. That's the spirit of Doeg which empowers that. And it gets carried even into the New Testament. Do you know that? You know who's Herod, by the way? Herod is an Idumean who is from Edom. Look at what he does in Matthew chapter 2. 
First he says by deceit. Go and find out the place where he is there and bring a word after me. Now look at verse 16. When Herod, then Herod when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men was exceedingly angry and sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts for two years from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined by the wise men. He killed all of them. He is after the godly seed because he hates Jacob. Because from Jacob will come Israel and the seed of the woman. He hates it. Flesh is, you know, flesh hates the spirit. That's the reason why Galatians says, the flesh is contrary to the spirit and the spirit contrary to the flesh and they are at war with one another so that you do not want to do the things that you want to do. Doeg. There are doegs in all of us. Acts chapter 12 verse 1. Now about the time Herod, the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church and then he killed James. You see that? The brother of John with a sword. And because he saw that he pleased the Jews, that means he is not a Jew, okay? He pleased those in the circumcised who were actually uncircumcised in their heart. They were all the same. They seized Peter also. And you know the story. Look at how he ends. But before we go there, there's another spirit. I mean, what? There's another attribute of Herod. Matthew chapter 14. Hmm. Verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about Jesus, report about Jesus and said to the servants, this is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. A man giver over her flesh. And what, you know what happens, right? One day she, that she comes and why? Because John said it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Finished. He's put in prison. Madam comes and dances. Head gone on his birthday. John the Baptist. See? That is the spirit of Doeg, my dear brothers and sisters. Be very careful. Hates the spirit. You want to understand a little more of this? Before we stop, let's read one psalm. You know, when David hears about it, he writes a psalm. You want to see that psalm? Okay, It's found in Psalm 52. This is Doeg's spirit. How we egg uh, how he, uh, do we, don't you have the heading for the thing, for the psalm? Okay. Uh, there is a heading. I, I think, uh, some, some, some translations would have. NSB has it? Has a heading. I'm sure they'll have a heading. No, it's not there. NSB also doesn't have. And KJV also doesn't have. Okay, no problem. So let me read the, the heading, okay? To the chief musician, a maskil or a mashkil, okay? Or a contemplation of David. When Doeg the Edomite went and told Saul and said to him, David has gone to the house of Ahimelech. 
And now David writes something about the Doic spirit. He says, you know what? Why do you boast, O evil man? The goodness of God endures continually. How do you kill? You know what? Verse 2. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor speaking deceitfully. You know what a sharp razor does, right? Um, Spurgeon has a very interesting comment on this. You know what he says? A sharp razor is like this. You take a sharp razor and you, uh, the barber has a razor and you surrender your head to the razor. He will slowly take away all the hair from your head and you don't even realize it. By the time it is over, you are bald. Or, he might be shaving your beard, slowly slits your throat and kills you. And you don't even realize it. That is a doeg spirit. He is so close to you, he promises that he will love you. He promises you, just give me yourself, give yourself to me. It's like, you know, it's like Delilah in the lap of, uh, lap of, uh, of, uh, so Samson, Samson in the lap of Delilah. Oh, Samson, I love you. If you love me, tell me your story. Tell me your story. And you know, ultimately what it does, slowly it takes the razor and Samuel, Sam, Samson gives all of his heart. She gets the razor, slowly takes away the hair and all your strength is gone. And before you know it, you're a dead man. That is a doeg spirit. It slits you without even knowing it. That is even Judas. Slowly he was, he was, he was stealing, stealing. Nobody knew. Nobody knows. That is the image over here. Your tongue, how, you, your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. And then you know what? Verse three. You love evil more than good. Lying rather than speaking righteousness. Selah means contemplate on this. That means please check your hearts if you have the spirit. Do you have a tongue which devises destruction? In other words, your tongue has a brain. Or rather let me tell you this. Your tongue is your brain. Or rather your brain and your tongue are absolutely so married to each other. And what is it? It's full, it's a sharp razor. You know, sometimes remember, uh, you get cut by a sharp object. You don't even know. You get a cut and then after a while you feel the pain. And then you look at it, there's a deep cut over there. How did it come? That is a doeg spirit. Some people are like that. They just put a and they go. And you don't even realize there's a gash over there. Why do you have such a tongue? You know why? Your affections. You love evil more than good. In other words, you love it. You love to see somebody fall. You love lying rather than speaking righteousness. And verse 4, you love all devouring words, meaning your words eat up people. You see, when, when, 
look, what did Doeg do? He killed. But what is the spirit which is empowering? You see the point here. Doeg went and slaughtered an entire city. But what was a city, what was a spirit which was empowering that act is a deceitful tongue. David is looking at the spirit in Doeg. And he says, you know what? You are a pretender. You are a liar. You feign goodness, but you have deception deep down inside of your heart. That's the reason why, you know what David, Jesus says, I did one good act and you want to kill me. That's what he says in John's Gospel chapter 5. Right? You want to kill me. They said, you're you're accusing of murdering you? You have a spirit. I know you. I know you have a murderous spirit inside of you. You're feigning love and obedience, but deep down inside of your heart, I know what you are and who you are. You love all devouring words. You are a deceitful tongue. Boy, Doeg. You know what he says? He doesn't say, you have a deceitful tongue. You deceitful tongue. (laughs) In other words, your entire body is a tongue. That is the reason why it says a tongue is the most smallest member in your body. Whoever has your tongue has your body. Whoever has your ear has your tongue and whoever has your tongue has your body. You deceitful tongue. Next verse. God shall likewise destroy you forever. You think, you know, you do all these things and you keep quiet. That's what it says, right? When the sentence against evil is being delayed, men's heart is set towards wickedness, it says. In Ecclesiastes. Men's heart is set towards wickedness because the sentence against evil has been delayed. It's only been delayed. It's not denied. God is giving you time to repent. You did all this. You slandered against your own mother's son, it says in Psalm 50. And I kept quiet. And what happened to you? You thought that I was just like you. You see, the spirit of Doeg is a very subtle spirit. It has a tongue which cuts. Cut, 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 cut. That means, before you kill people with a sword, you already kill them with a tongue. In fact, had if you would have had an opportunity to take the sword or the tongue and no restraints would have been given, you would have been very happy to take the sword. And because you didn't have the strength to take the, take the sword, you took the tongue. See, look at what it says in verse 5. God will judge you. That is the reason why he says, you know what? Every idle word that comes out of your mouth, I will judge you. Because what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what is there inside of your heart. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. Selah. Think. Verse 6, what will happen? Righteous also shall see and fear. First of all, that means we all look at Doeg's example and say, Lord, 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 Lord. Let me judge my heart. Let me judge my heart. Now, these days have been given to us now. Let us not be pretenders. 
Let us not be people who are restrained before God. Let us be free people. And let us ask God to deliver us from every bondage that is holding us captive and release us so that we can worship God freely. Lord, rid me of that attitude which will make me a hypocrite. That let, there, should, let, there should be no guile in my heart, Lord. And let me fight it with all of my heart. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him saying, you know what, look at this problem. Here is a man who did not make God his strength. That is a problem. You know, Doeg, who was your strength? Saul was your strength. Saul, the man of the flesh was your strength. You wanted to please this Saul, but you did not know Saul's end. Because he was also a man of the flesh. You are also a man of the flesh. You thought now Saul is going to be very happy and he's going to give you a lot of position. Hmm. Sorry. Here is a man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in wickedness. And you know what he says? But I am like a green olive tree. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. In the house of God. I am not restrained in the house of God. I am planted in the house of God. I am not restrained. I am planted. I am taking my juices and my roots are deep down in the house of God. I am like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You know why? Not because I trust in my own righteousness. You know what? I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. This morning, (laughs) all of us have two eggs in our hearts. I'm sure we have. Do we have anything in our hearts which we call, which will cause us to pretend? Dog is fearful. Remember that. We'll list just one verse and before I, before I stop for the day. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. Hmm. You know that verse very well. What I'm ref- referring to. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. Onwards. 11 onwards. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself. Fearing. What does Doeg mean? Fear. Fear man. That's the reason why it says, the fear of man brings a snare. Fearing those who were of the circumcision party. And look at what it says next verse. And the rest of the Jews also played the pretense, deception, hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas was getting carried away by their hypocrisy. Where did it start? Fear. Because there was a doeg that had to be judged in his heart. Every doeg has its day. It could be on that day when it is judged before the presence of the Lord or it could be this day when you judge it before in your own heart. 
and every day so that you crush the head of jo- head of doeg let it not rise that is the reason why it says those who are who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its lusts with its passions and its lusts let's stop that's enough for the day think on these things may the lord give you understanding let's pray let's stand up Father, we just thank you. Lord, in your mercy, you're doing all this. In your kindness, you're showing us things. Enable us to judge our hearts ruthlessly. All of us, beginning with me. Let us not look at anybody else, Lord. Let us go into deep contemplation. And let us allow your spirit to deal with our hearts. And we know, Father, when we have dealt with the spirit of doing inside of our hearts, we will become compassionate towards others. We will not be overcome with self-pity. But we will overcome evil with good. We'll give people the benefit of the doubt. Because we have been dealt dealt with compassionately by God. May you see the change in all of our hearts, O Lord. We desire that. Honor our desire. And grant us repentance, we pray. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen.